This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Deloitte's OnCloud podcast, my co-host Mike Cavus and I talk with innovation leaders to explore how they use cloud engineering for new possibilities for their organizations. Join myself, David Linthicum, by subscribing to OnCloud wherever you get your podcasts. As promised, we get the opportunity to talk to a guy that I spent part of Thanksgiving weekend traveling and doing the 2022 Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn, where the Crimson Tide won yet again uh, over the Auburn Tigers. That is Tiki Barber, who was with me on Compass Media Network's radio coverage of that Iron Bowl. You see Tiki as well on CBS Sports' coverage the NFL. You hear and see Tiki all the time on WFAN. The Tiki and Tierney Show on WFAN in New York is on middays 10 to 2 Eastern time. Always great to be with you. I'm glad you're not sick of me and still still willing to return my text and call and come back on. How are we feeling as we start a new week off Thanksgiving, Tiki Barber? So far, so good. You know, it's been a it was a great Thanksgiving weekend, even though we we both traveled on Thanksgiving. And but we now get back into the grind of the rest of the NFL season. You with the Bucks and me following the upstart New York Giants. But also I'm heading out to Indy next weekend for the Big Ten Championship, where somewhat of a surprise that Purdue Boilermakers will take on the juggernaut in his Michigan all of a sudden. Uh, they used to just grind the ball into the ground and win that way. Now they're airing it out and throwing for over 350 yards and that big win against Ohio State last weekend. So even though it's calming down, it's holiday season, it's still busy because it's football season. No doubt about that. And you and I were equally surprised because we were not able to see a lot of Michigan's big route of Ohio State, uh, especially in the second half in Columbus, but they deserve it. They they are unbeaten, and now they will work. Uh, they will play in the Big Ten title game, and Tiki will work that game with Greg Daniels on Compass Media Networks. They'll have the call of the Big Ten title game national radio coming on Saturday. Uh, I guess one of the first things that I would I would ask uh, you've done a lot of television and a lot of television analyst work. What's a difference? A difference or two for the audience that are interested in sports media in your preparation from doing radio versus doing television. How does that work for you? Yeah, it's it's vastly different. I actually feel for you as a radio broadcaster of, of college games because there's so much that you have to describe. When you're doing a TV broadcast, so much of the visual, the stimulus comes from your eyes. Like you, you see it all. But when you're just listening for every minute detail from whether you're moving left or right or how the wind is is affecting the players or the conditions which aren't uh, readily available to you as a listener of a show uh, on the radio versus what you what you can see on TV. It's more challenging for the play-by-play man for you. 
But for me, the preparation is vastly is vastly different because on radio, I'm just waiting to find my spot to throw in my analysis, which then also has to be a little bit more detailed than would it be on would, would it be on TV. I find on TV though, TJ, it's more of a um, you're describing you know, why a guy performed a certain way or why he did that. And it's like, hey, look here, he did this because, or he he reacted this way because, and you can visually show it. You're, you're talking back and forth with the producer. The interaction is a lot more um, uh, intense behind the scenes. You know, the talk back button is huge on TV. Whereas on radio, it's kind of like you're just having a conversation with your buddy. Which is which is nicer in a sense. Uh, it's not as um, it's not as intense to get it perfect, uh, which is which is what I found the bigger difference. And it's why sometimes, to be honest, I like doing radio a little bit better than TV on certain days. Did Tiki Barber just call me his buddy? I think there's a reference <laughs> there uh, on the Sports Media Watch uh, podcast. And then just one more follow up because you've got a lot of toys, figurative toys at your disposal doing TV. Give us an idea of what that's like, because you're not only watching the live game in front of you out the, out the window of the booth, you're watching the monitor of what's, what's on TV right now, but you have another monitor or two that you're also paying attention to. I know this is audio and we can't, we just have to all visualize this, but give us the visual picture, if you will, of what that's like, that dynamic is like with a telestrator monitor and maybe even another monitor sitting there and you're going through all of that. Go ahead. So so TJ, you're right. So with radio, the only tool, I'll put that in quotes, that I have are my flip cards and and the the notes that I've already written. That's the only thing I'm really using to describe what's happening because I can only talk about what's in front of me. Whereas on television, you're almost producing while talking at the same time. And, and, and what, what I mean by that is, say I, I, I want to come back to a big touchdown run that Derrick Henry had, and it came out the left side. The reason why it worked was because they pulled the left guard and, you know, he, he came around and, and sealed this block and it opened up because he broke this tackle and the safety overplayed. You actually need to draw that up. Like you can say it uh, on, on radio, you would just say it, but on TV, you visually want to show it. And, and so rolling back, you know, the, the teleprompter and getting the producer to stop there. And this is all happening in talkback while the play-by-play guy is talking in real time. And so it's it's really complicated mechanics that are happening behind the scenes just to get a little telestration. So it's a little bit more work, but it's also it's also fun because you get to showcase your knowledge of a game and, and, and inform while still having a sense of ex- excitement about the moment that has just happened. So in that regard, TV is challenging and fun. Um, and whereas radio, it's just you're just trying to lift it with your voice uh, and, and give the atmosphere and, and the intensity of what's happening with just the, you know, the, the your vocal cords. Well, Tiki, uh, Juan, thanks for taking the time to join us today. I wanted to take it back to the beginning of your media career. So working for NBC and the Today Show and Football Night in America, just really big national programs, a lot like what Michael Strahan is doing now before yeah. Strahan. And I was wondering if you, looking back, think maybe that was too much right out of the gate and if it might be something that you might be better able to do now than back yeah. then. Well, it's interesting, John, because my media career, and TJ knows this, started way before I retired. Uh, I started doing WFAN overnight shifts from 10 to 2 p.m. in my off seasons in 1999. So I was only at my second year in the league and I was trying to just find what potentially was next. I wasn't good enough of a player at that point to say, I'm going to have a 10-year career. 
Let me just let me find what else is good. And because I started to get better that following year, we went to the Super Bowl in 2000. These media opportunities, this media lane that I had jumped in, just started to advance. So after doing WFAN, I started working at WCBS, which is local television in, C- in, in New York. And then I went to the Yes Network. And eventually that evolved into um, uh, Fox News, where I was covering things other than sports, which set me up to do whatever I wanted when I retired. And I could have stayed at Fox and traveled to the West Coast uh, to do stuff, uh, what Strahan is doing now. But I, I had young kids and I didn't want to travel every weekend all the way out West. And so I decided to make the switch and go to NBC, which put me in the Today Show, MSNBC, where I covered the Olympics in 2008, and Football Night in America. I think the challenge for me was understanding how that Today Show world operated. And I didn't have a lot of guidance. It was kind of like, all right, you know, here you go. Go figure it out. And <laughs> that, uh, what I mean by that, my first day on the job, which was April, I believe, 17th in, in 2007, was the mass shooting down in Blacksburg, Virginia. Wow. And because I was from Roanoke and my mom and dad are, were Hokies, um, Jim Bell, who was our executive producer at the time, called me into his office right after I'd been introduced to the to the world as this new correspondent on today on the Today Show and said, we're sending a plane with Matt and, and, and all the other uh, um, uh, talent on NBC down to Blacksburg. Do you want to go? It's your hometown. You know this. You know this area of the world better than any of us. And so my first day on the job, I was on a plane to cover a mass shooting, which is not what you would expect just retiring from the NFL. But it, it kind of put me into this journalism mode, which I hadn't expected. Um, and it was it was interesting, it was challenging, but it's what I've always wanted to aspire to do in my life, which is challenge myself. And you know, I did a couple of really good stories uh, down there. One with a with a young man who was from my high school. He went to K Spring High School who saved the classroom by holding the door with his body when the gunman was trying to get through. And he got shot a couple of times, but he survived uh, and he was a hero. And so we did that story. I did that story for the Today Show. And it was, it, I mean, it was unique. It was awesome. And I got to be honest, doing news, it's helped me become a better sports um, broadcaster and a sports storyteller because we often think of athletes by what they do X's and O's, and that's how we judge them and it's how we evaluate them. But there's really these deep stories behind all of them. If you know how to get to and ask that that question, it makes for a much more complete and compelling presentation of the guys that we're watching and girls that we're watching perform in their respective athletic fields. Yeah, it's a very interesting point you bring up about uh, just right off the bat. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember that day, the mm-hmm. fact that you were uh, so new to NBC News at that point. You know, going back to that whole Today Show era, uh, that is one of the toughest jobs in all of TV, that GMA, uh, yeah. CBS This Morning, in terms of the media scrutiny. Yes. The media is very intense. And we all know all of the various, you know, calamities with Matt Lauer, with Charlie Rose, et cetera, et cetera. How did you deal with that media spotlight that comes with being on the Today Show? Yeah, I mean, you become a different kind of celebrity. And you're, let me back up. So I think athletes, they're taught how to be athletes, how to excel on the gridiron, how to, you know, be a great basketball player. You're taught how to do all of those things, but you often see athletes insecure in public because they're not taught how to be people, 
right? And how to interact with the a, a, a regular person, uh, a non-athlete. And so there's sometimes this awkward dance between what an athlete is on field and who he is in public. Well, the same thing occurs for media personalities because all of a sudden you're sitting in someone's lock, uh, living room. And unlike, you know, in a locker room, say a football locker room, where you got it, or on a field, you have a helmet on and you're, you're kind of this caricature of, of uh, you know, what an athlete is supposed to be. Like you're playing a role, even though you're playing a game and it's you, it's, you're, you're this caricature of who you are. Whereas as a TV personality, it's you, right? That's who you are. And people feel like they know you even though um, they're not, they don't really know you, but they see you every day. And so it's a different kind of challenge. And um, I remember, you know, when I was retired from the NFL and I had been out of the game for probably five or six years, I went to lunch with, with Strahan. And this is while he was doing Kelly and Michael, Kelly Ripper with Kelly Ripper on ABC. And we went to lunch and it wasn't like dudes who loved the giants that were coming up and hounding them for pictures. It was like housewives and, and, and moms and grandmoms who felt like they were his best. He, he was their best friend. And so it's a different like awareness that you have to have about yourself. You always kind of know that people are looking at you all the time if you're an athlete, but a lot of athletes aren't recognizable, right? But as a TV personality, you are known. Right. You are you are that that individual who people come and trust to listen to and give them news and stories and information. And so it's a different type of of um, responsibility that, that, that comes with being um, a, a journalist in that regard. And it's why when there are really negative stories like Matt Lowers, like Charlie Rose's, uh, like others uh, that we've seen over the last you know decade and a half. It really comes down hard and it's really um, disturbing, I think, to the public writ large. You know, the point you just brought up is very interesting to me about people who come up to you when you're in, in TV versus when you're in sports. Which audience is more demanding? Is it, <laughs> you know, is the sports audience more demanding or is that today show morning show audience? More yeah, demanding? you know, I think it's, it's definitely the sports audience. You know, the, 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 the beauty and the curse of sports is that the let's call them lessons but the things that you feel emotionally like the visceral nature of the response is immediate right it's like you know exactly win or lose or success or failure and um it's 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 intense like it's really intense and and they want an explanation right now whereas the the relationship for tv personality it's it's more it's more nuanced it's more like, okay, I know you did this last week and you talked about X, Y, Z, and it's it's a complete picture as opposed to this immediate reaction. I'm reacting to this right here. As whereas in TV, you're reacting to a, like a wide swath of things that you may have covered over you know a month or a year. So it, it, the, the interaction with um, the viewer or the consumer in this, in this example is very different relative TV versus athletics. And I can testify because this happened in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, almost immediately. We're walking up to the stadium, 90,000 plus, most of them there waiting for the game, waiting to see Alabama pull up in the buses to go. But there was person after person recognizing Tiki. There was a woman right in front of us that Tiki didn't see or hear who completely flipped out. That's Tiki Barber. That's Tiki Barber who walked right by you. 
Um, and, and so I said to her, do you want to meet him? Do I want to meet him? Yeah, I want to meet him. Yeah. And so they all came and took a picture. And let me say publicly, I have been with you over and over again in all these different places. And uh, you are fantastic with people coming up to you, bothering us at the dinner table, bothering us, trying to get into the stadium, wherever it is. He's tremendous, John, on, on that part of it. Uh, because it has to, after a little while, get old and get annoying. I know. Yeah, but I, but you know, I at know, the end of the day, I like people, so yeah. that makes it easy. And so I, I don't mind interacting, you know, with the, with those who have a, you know, a, an, an affinity. And it's interesting because a lot of them are they, they've seen me on TV more than they know me as a football player. Right. And so it's, it's just it's a unique, it's like an interesting dynamic. Um, and this and the stories have expanded as I've done so many things. Like I was on Sesame Street. And I remember when um, I met my wife's second cousin and her daughter, and she was, I don't know, seven, six years old or something. And she kind of like was standoffish. And then at one point she was like, oh my God, you know Elmo. <laughs> it was like, it was just this funny like interaction because you don't, you never know when people have, have, have had that inter that like that that connection to you. you don't know where it comes from um and i don't know where this woman in alabama i remember this last weekend i don't know where like she may have lo loved me because i was on fox news right you know, it, 10 years ago or 12 years ago or she could have been a giants fan or that i have no idea but it also it almost doesn't matter i still remember because i have kids wasn't the sesame street bit about socks did i watched that i think yeah, with yeah. my children it was something yeah. with your socks and put your yeah. socks on and we were learning right. with tiki about putting socks on am i right it's about right. that no Off you're absolutely right exactly right and it was fun you know being on sesame street is something that i don't know it's weird like i i remember growing up with sesame street and you think it's this this i don't know it's like magical place and then to actually go there and interact with the puppets and the uh, and and help tell a story. It's just it's just cool, man. It's just it's it's a lasting forever. Another fun one, and and this is an interesting dynamic that our audience would be curious about. Okay, so you were a big time professional athlete in New York, facing criticism for how you played, what you did. Mm -hmm. Now you're on the other side. Now yeah. you, as we like to say, you're in the unclean. You're on you're on the dark <laughs> side because now you're in the criticism business. Now right. you're in the critique. Now you're giving your analysis. How have you found that? And I'm just curious, you don't have to name names. Have you had a couple of players at some point say, hey, what are you talking about getting on me on WFAN, et cetera? What is that dynamic yeah. like now that you're on the other side? You know, it's interesting because I have had it, uh, um, have players come up and say, oh, I heard you saying X, Y, Z. And my response to them is it's my job, right? Think of a think of a newspaper columnist, not like a beat writer or a story writer, but a columnist whose job is to provoke a response that's what we do on WFAN. It's, it's, it's our job. You can't just come out and say, hey, the Giants were fantastic last night. They had a great game. Hey, give us a call at, you know, 877-666-636-36. Like, you can't do that, right? You got to say, this is exactly why I'm upset or thrilled or whatever it may be. What do you think? And so you end up getting these deep um, and sometimes just just – uh, conversation sparking conversations on uh, on on radio, and I always tell these guys it's my job to do that, right? I'm not. It's nothing personal against you. Now, if you do something idiotic and it's and it's 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 blatantly um, needs to be condemned, then yeah, it will get personal, um, like Kyrie Irving a, a few a few weeks ago. Um, but ultimately, it's my job to provoke conversation and to get people engaged, and not just passively listening but actively listening 
Um, it's unique to the job. And I think a lot of people who come into the radio business and, you know, don't love it or don't find success there. It's because they have they don't realize that. Like it, you, you can't be friends with everybody. Um, you know, I have the luxury of, of actually being friends with a lot of the people that I talk about. And so it, it takes the sting away, um, you know, because they know where I'm coming from and they understand it. But it's it's part of the job. And if you can't. But if that, Daniel Jones stinks, you got to say Daniel you Jones. Say, stunk exactly. Sunday. You have to say it. You can't. I mean, you could defend them and, and, and try it, but then you lose your credibility. And so you have to call it like it is and not create the excuse for people that you happen to like as athletes. Uh, on that subject, you know, obviously, as time goes on, you start out as an analyst and you are part of the generation that is still playing. You are mm -hmm. commenting on your peers. As time goes on, you are commenting on people you don't have an immediate relationship with. Mm -hmm. uh, we see this a lot in the NBA. Charles, when he, Charles Barkley, when he started on TNT, he's the peer. He's in his mid-30s. Now he is several, you know, generations removed from the young players. Do you find that it, there's more of a disconnect for you criticizing the youngest players in the game? And do you find that players from, say, Lamar Jackson's generation, Lamar just responding to the fan the way that he did the other day, yeah. are they more sensitive to criticism in this social media era where they without get it more often? Yeah, well, John, without a doubt, they are so sensitive to it and unfortunately. Unlike my generation, where if you did hear it, you're like, eh, I don't care. Who cares? Right? It, 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 there was no echo chamber. So someone who has 265 followers, like this person that Lamar Jackson responded to, <laughs> would say something. Nobody hears it, right? It's just it's 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 air in the, into the ether. It goes away. It doesn't it doesn't even matter. But in today's society, because of how social media can reverberate many times over, millions of times over, if the wrong thing gets gets promoted, um, you, you you have to be aware of it. Uh, but being sensitive to it can cause a lot of problems. We saw this, you know, years ago, not years, but, you know, a couple couple years ago with Kevin Durant, right, with his burner account. And, you know, you, you ask yourself, why do you care? Right? You, you're, you're, you're making millions and like, generational millions of dollars. And you care about what somebody's saying to you on, on social media. And so you, there is a sensitivity to that that you have to you know, take into account. I didn't I never had to deal with it. And I'm glad I, I didn't. I probably would have handled it with the same you know, level of. of, of Can I ask, would I you have know? would you have engaged some people? I know your personality or would um, you have just do you think you would it. have resisted and I just left it. it alone on social yeah, media? Because I don't negativity doesn't doesn't suit me. Right. There's certain people who like to be combative and I'm not a combative person. There's very few enemies that I have in my, in my, in my life. And so um, I wouldn't, I would just dismiss it or, you know, say, okay, I'm glad you, glad you, thanks, thanks for the info. Right. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for your opinion. Um, but, but it is a challenge. It really is a challenge for these guys because they're, a lot of them judge their, um, their worth and their success and their perception and their brands and all these things that we talk about on what 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 permeates the social sphere and it doesn't really define who you are it's just one opinion or thousands of opinions um that get crafted because of perception not reality all right yeah. i know you've got to go in a couple of moments john did you have one more yeah i just wanted to quickly just follow up do you think that we are close to seeing one of these young stars throw their career away in one of these types of conflicts i think about john morant saying mm -hmm. you know you're free to catch these hollows being yeah. hollow point bullets right yep. do you think we're close to one of these guys maybe throwing it all away in a snake yeah 
Yeah, yeah I think we I think we we will at some point. And and the reason, John, is because we're gonna see this social interaction spill into IRL in real life, right? We're gonna see uh, a confrontation that seems innocuous and just, you know, Twitter blather, right? Turn into a real life experience that is gonna be dangerous for somebody. And it's why, you know, I think a lot of these athletes, especially these younger ones who are not mature, you know, yet they've come into the leagues, they're 19, 20, 21 years old and haven't quite developed that, that, that frontal lobe, that, 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 the decision-making um, apparatus uh, in their, in their minds, you're going to see them do something that's going to derail their life, not just their career, but their life. Um, and so it, it's incumbent, I think on the teams to take ownership of that, right? It, it, these, these, these organizations who are spending millions of dollars. I mean, it's literally millions of dollars um, on a, on an asset. You have to protect that asset, just like you want anything, like whether it's a car or a house or, you know, a, a, a mutual fund, whatever, you got to protect that asset. And uh, I think teams and organizations are going to really start pushing into that because you're seeing it trickle over. And just as you mentioned, John, that, that hollow point bullet thing, which is stupid. Why would you like, there's no reason to say that. Um, and, and think that there's going to get, you're going to feel good for a second, but does it really matter in the long term that you're threatening somebody's life on social media when you're a multimillionaire and have a skill that maybe 5% of the people in the world have? No, it doesn't. So there, there needs to be a shield, I think, that's going to ultimately get crafted by the organizations themselves, or at the very least, the managers of some of these athletes and celebrities. No doubt. Take some responsibility too. be an yeah. adult. I'm with you Agreed. on that. I know you've got to go coming up in a couple of moments. Let's turn it back to something positive. I could sit here and talk to you forever and John could too, but you got to go here in a second. You're going to work the big 10 title game. So you and I are forever linked with the pandemic 2020 uh, season of doing games in empty stadiums. The first game that Tiki and I did that season in an empty Chapel Hill, North Carolina stadium. I believe for the rest of my life, I will tell that story. That's one of the most bizarre things. And I think you would agree with me that we've ever That's done first, the first, first one that we did. So we ended that season working a big 10 title game in an empty Lucas oil stadium. Basically they had about four or 500 Ohio state and Northwestern friends and family that were allowed in a 70,000 seat stadium. Nobody else. They were piping in crowd noise. It was bizarre. Now you have worked the big 10 title game last year, full capacity again, Michigan and Iowa, you're about to work it again with Michigan and Purdue. So just take me through that. We've been through the bazaar of nobody there. And then what's it like? And what will it be Saturday night with Greg at yeah. full volume, full capacity? Give it to us. So, so it gets intense. And think about the location because it's in Indianapolis uh, at Lucas Oil. Michigan's going to travel because it's Michigan. And there's millions of alumni from Michigan that love their football. So they're going to travel. And Purdue as a surprise squad and uh, quarterback is, is Aiden O'Connell, who's a pretty good player. Um, they're they're going because it's so close. I mean, it's 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 you can drive there. It's not like you have right. to get on a flight. And so the intensity of the of the of the of the fandom is what's going to be really exciting to witness and talk about when I do this broadcast with with uh, with Greg. But the other thing, because a lot of people are already pushing Michigan through. I mean, in, theoretically, Michigan should dominate them. But it's a Big Ten championship game. I saw a couple of years ago Ohio State and Northwestern. I mean, it was closer than it should have been. And you know, Northwestern the, winning in the third quarter. We were right. we were looking at a significant right. upset of a Huge team upset. that 
that was gonna that was going to go right. down. They had no business being there, right? No business. Yeah, it, it was gonna go down in the annals of one of the top upsets, and then you That's just right. never know on this championship just, Saturday. That's your point, know. right? Yeah, but the thing with Michigan is Blake Corum is a stud, even though he's banged up and only took I think I had three carries in the Ohio State game, but it didn't matter because Donovan Edwards had two over two hundred yards rushing. So their run game is always going to be the same. They have one of the top defenses in football, and so that carries and travels wherever you go. But there was a JJ McCarthy explosion. I mean, the, if if Jim Harbaugh who for the last seven years has been trying to find his quarterback actually has his quarterback. Michigan's going to be tough and they should, they should run away with this one, uh, get into the college football playoff uh, final four and maybe even do some damage with there as well, because football is not one or two dominant teams anymore. It's kind of just a lot of really good ones in the middle. And one more quick one on that. We believe that Georgia is in even with a loss that could screw That's some right. things up for others. All right. Michigan may be in even with a loss because of the win at Ohio State. Don't know. TCU is heavily favored, should win. If, if, okay, let's play a quick if game. If USC loses the Pac 12 title game Friday night, is that committee going to look at TV and the impact and say Alabama? No. Are they going to look at it and say Tennessee instead because they beat Alabama, even though both have two losses? What do you think might happen with a fourth variable besides Georgia, Michigan, TCU? If USC were to lose and you yeah. had a couple options with two losses, do you think it's automatically Alabama for the I, TV purposes and the ratings and the money? It's funny because I would say yes, Alabama, if it wasn't USC. I mean, it's it's USC. This is one of the most storied programs of all time. I mean, going back to the Marcus Allens of the world and the Reggie Bush years and the line, like they are one of the teams that if they're good, it makes college football so much better. So if they should lose the Pac-12 championship, Utah, right, um, I, I, I still would think they would get consideration because they'd be in the conversation with Ohio State, who is a one-loss mm-hmm. non-conference champion, didn't even play in the conference championship, um, Alabama who is a two-loss non-conference champion who didn't play in the conversation versus USC, who is a would be a two-loss also, but conference runner-up. I, it's, it gets interesting from a TV standpoint, and you want West Coast viewers, yep. I think it makes sense to put UC, USC in, but they're not thinking of it like that way. Uh, they're, in theory, they're saying it's the best teams. Um, who was the best of those three that I just mentioned? It's probably Alabama, right? A, a one point or one possession, less than one possession loss um, against Tennessee and then a in overtime. And then their other loss was, I forget who it was. LSU. Was, LSU, point LSU, which is a two-point conversion, right? They lost in in by three points over, <laughs> over a couple of games. Um, so I think Alabama is the best one, but I think USC makes the most sense. Right. USC is not going to lose, so it's going to be them. We shall see. Should be a crazy weekend. John, I know we've had a blast with Tiki Barber one more time here with us. Yes. No, we really appreciate you being here. Um, just briefly, you know, we talked before about your career and in, in news and everything like that. Uh, is that something that you would like to circle back to before it's uh, all said and done? You know, maybe the, the next evolution of my career, who knows what it's going, going to be. I, I always tell people, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up because I've done so many different things from media to being an entrepreneur to you know a lot of philanthropic things that i've done 
um, to being a, a marathon runner. Like I just, I'm still just figuring out my life, even though I'm 47 years old, have six kids from a six year old to a 21 year old uh, who's out at Princeton. Um, you know, I, I'm enjoying life and um, uh, doing news though, uh, to your question, John, is a grind. It's a real grind. I mean, it looks like it looks like it's easy because they get on air and they're and they're talking for two hours or an hour or whatever this, how long that show may be, but it's a full time job that uh, takes a lot. Um, and I don't know if I with with young kids now again if I want to if I want to be down that route yet. I got I got one. He might end up being a movie critic and in particular or or at least reviewer uh, Star Wars and anything oh, Mandalorian. I'll yeah. tell one more story about Tiki after we did that. Big 10 title game 2020, Ohio State and Northwestern. We're in the Indianapolis airport, and Tiki's like, I got to see the finale of the season of The Mandalorian, and you know where I'm going with this. So I left you for a little bit to leave you alone. You were sitting at a table by yourself, and a couple people were coming up to you, but you were watching The Mandalorian finale going, yes, go, yes, over (laughs) The Mandalorian. And I'm like, don't tell me what happens. I haven't watched any of this yet. Don't tell me what happens. So, John Lewis, I'm just saying, maybe it's movie critic. Maybe it's film reviewer for Tiki. now, Now I'm on to Andor, which is the next the next Star Wars, right? Even though nobody seems to be talking about it, it's a great show. Andor is great because it doesn't he's feel all, like, he's all it doesn't about feel it. like the like the traditional Star Wars story. Uh, well, I only saw the first three on VHS. So. <laughs> That's it. I know we got to get John caught up on all the ones we've done recently. Uh, with all the with all the Star Wars continuations and all the stuff. Great stuff from Tiki. I have much love for you, your brother Rondé, both your families and everything. I always love working with you. Be proud of me that I didn't call you Rondé once. Again, for another year, I did not call you Rondé once, even though I've been I'm around him. You were even in Germany. You were even in Germany with him. With Rondé. And I didn't so call him back Tiki. And, I did, call and I came back and didn't call you Rondé. It all, it all went well on that. What a treat to have you here on the Sports Media Watch podcast. Thank you, Tiki Barber, for being with us. Thank you, TJ, and good to meet you, John. Pleasure. To meet you, too. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.